2: My dad always tells this story about when I got pregnant, and he says it because people always ask him what he wishes he would have done differently. Now, anyone who's heard my story knows that my parents, they stood beside me. I didn't get kicked out. They didn't embarrass me. They didn't make it a big thing. But in hindsight, there are still some things that he wishes he would have done differently. And one of those things is he says that he wished he would have gotten me therapy. Now, of course, at the time, I didn't know to ask for it. I didn't even know what therapy really was. But now that I am in my adult years, I completely understand why that would have been something that would have been useful for me. When I look back and I think to myself, what would I have said if I found myself on the couch of a therapist talking about that season of my life? A lot of thoughts come to mind. I think I would have said, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I need you, I'm upset, I'm angry, so many words that I did not say that got stuck in my throat instead. And now as an adult, as I am navigating my life and I'm having, you know, the ability to tap into therapy and so many tools and resources, there are still some moments where I feel like that girl who's got words stuck in her throat. All of the things I couldn't say, didn't have the language to say, didn't have the space to say, it still shows up for me in my adult years. And I think to myself when I'm in one of those stuck moments, what is it that you're trying to say? And it's most simple. Simple form, what is it that you are feeling? And usually it comes down to some of those same things. I'm afraid, I'm upset, I'm angry, I need you. Those tough conversations that we need to have with ourselves, I believe, are the beginning to us having tough conversations with others. If you don't take the time to sit with yourself and say, What is it that I'm feeling? How can I give this language? Even if it is the most basic language, even if it feels like the most dramatic language, I'll start with what I am until it boils down to what's really authentic, but you have to learn to release the words that are stuck in your throat. It is even more important that we do this, not just for ourselves, but also when we engage with other people, because there are going to be moments where they cannot be inside of your head and they need you to open up your mouth and share with them what it is you are experiencing and how you feel. It takes a lot of work to do that to be open to tough conversations. That's why this week we are going to talk about how we become someone who is hopeful when it comes to having these tough conversations. Hope that we can remain open Hope that we can say what needs to be said And I think even for me Hope that I can listen When I am on the receiving end Of that tough conversation If you're like me I want to do all of the Talking but I don't necessarily Want to do the listening and yet Part of my growth journey has been Me coming to a place where I can hear Tough things even about Myself without throwing the whole Me away girl get you Out the trash can we're going to dust You off we're going to come to a place where we are open, brave, courageous, and vulnerable. And Nedra Glover-Tawwab is going to help us on this journey. If you don't know who she is, let's just say that Christmas came early. I want you to log on to Instagram and follow her immediate, immediately, especially for my girlies who are not into therapy just yet. You may not be into therapy, but therapy can get into you by following her page. She's constantly giving us language, tips, and tools on how to show up in our lives and how to make boundaries that help us to remain the journey of wholeness and growth that we are on. She is a two-time New York Times best-selling author. Her book Drama-Free just came out and if you are anything like me, there is nothing wrong with being a little more drama-free in our lives. I can't wait for how this I can't wait for how this episode is going to help you. It's going to empower you. Most importantly, it's going to give you everything you need to be open to speak, open to listen, open to grow and evolve. So let's get ready. You have been giving us all of the tips and tools for having difficult conversations with family. I am constantly reposting your graphs, your graphics, your memes, telling us how we can show up in spaces where it is often difficult to have conversations, I think, especially in relationships. And so today I just wanted to talk a little bit about like initiating tough conversations, especially after you've maybe let things go on for a long time time in your life. A lot of the women who are connected to our movement often feel inspired to make a change. They're ready to really start speaking with more authority and to have boundaries, but they've been a different version of themselves in their friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. for so long that they don't know how to do it. So can you tell me, like, how do you begin to have the tough conversation of, I'm changing and I no longer need from you what I once received?
0: You know, change is first reflected in your behaviors. So sometimes we think we have to have a conversation when in actuality we have to show up in the world differently. Mm-hmm. If I decide that I will no longer gossip with my family about other family members, that means that my behavior changes when that starts to happen. I withdraw from the conversation or maybe I say, oh, I do not want to say anything about this. Mm-hmm. You start to To do something differently. So there sometimes is a need to say to people, you know, hey, I'm changing and these are the things I'm doing differently. And also there are other times when we just need to show up differently and people can catch on that. Oh, my gosh, this person is not
2: who they used to be. Wow. That's so interesting because I do think that we like to announce our transformations before they happen. It's like, I just want everyone to know I'm totally different. I'm I'm the same right now, <laughs> but in about three months, I'm going to be totally different. And so t- start treating me that way now. Yeah, that's a big
0: proclamation to make. I like to think of humans as less of what they used to be, right? Like when mm-hmm. I think about like, you know, maybe some petty tendencies I have, maybe it's just petty thoughts now, right? right. Like mm-hmm. I'm not completely clear, <laughs> but <laughs> there are some times where it just stays in my head. It's yeah. not necessarily yeah. coming out in my behavior. And maybe it still comes out in your behavior from time to time, but less. Mm. And so sometimes when we tell people like, I'm no longer, doing X, we're leaving little room for our humanness to show up in situations. And we are human. You know, we will not always, you know, I could be a morning person. That doesn't mean that I wake up every single day at 630. It might most mornings, you know, but sometimes I sleep into nine. So how do we leave room for flexibility without having to declare that I am this one way now?
2: Yeah, that's so good. And I think that's going to be liberating for a lot of people because we do want to make these big declarations. And often when we end up finding ourselves back in our old pattern, we feel like we've lost in some way or maybe we're not progressing in the way that we anticipated. But that idea of just be less so that you can get to more, I think is really liberating. You said something once, I think it was on an Instagram live and it was about your daughter. And I think you were doing her hair and, you know, she was cutting up as my seven year old does when it's time to get hair done and you let her know like I'm I think she said she wasn't going to be extra anymore and you were like I'm glad because it's really annoying when you do that and let me tell you what type (laughs) of liberty that gave me because I be trying to gentle parent and I just want to know like can I tell her she's getting on my nerves you want to talk about tough conversations it's like how do we draw the lines with these children and make room for our humanity and irritation and annoyance um, while also not trying to wound them. I think a lot about that, even when I see your posts, like I would definitely want to apply this to my family dynamics, but how can I also make sure that as I'm raising a child that I am not just catering to their emotions exclusively without making space for myself? Mm.
0: Well, I like to, in, in my household, I normalize loving people and a part of that being that they will annoy you right mm-hmm. so when my daughter is annoying me I let her know because in 10 minutes she's gonna say her little sister is annoying her mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those things like we can be annoyed by people we love that's not necessarily a bad thing I don't unlove you because you mm-hmm. annoy me I'm just saying in this moment I'm a little irritated <laughs> and so what I say might be a little saucy what I say you know it might not be what I would say if I wasn't annoyed but there are some things that other people do and it could be helpful for them to know that like when you notice this shift in my mood and you're doing this particular thing this is why annoyance is a feeling you know I'm not calling you a name I'm not saying you're a terrible person if you want a hug I will give it to you but there are moments when you do things that bother me and I, I bother my kids you know if I abruptly say hey get off your tablet and go take a shower I just annoyed them Yeah. So, you know, I think it's this this thing that we do in in relationships where we're honest without people having to feel like they have to do something about it. Mm. Right. Like just because you're annoying me, it doesn't mean that you stop screaming. I just want you to know. Yes, I'm I, do. Yeah, I
2: do. I uh, do. Yeah, I
0: just want you to know because you may see me slapping something down on this table
2: a little harder and that, than that's normal. That's to explain what's happening here. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I need I meditate sometimes after I do hair because mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I gotta find myself again. I gotta find myself again.
0: Oh my gosh! You know, a part of it is you know with the parenting that is more intentional that many of us are doing now we have no concept of what that felt like as a child mm. and so for me sometimes i'm like girl i didn't even have the audacity for sure to sit here And yell and scream and be kicked out the hairdresser like you are doing. Like I didn't I didn't have that freedom. And so when you're doing it, a little bit of it is like me misunderstanding what's possible. Mm. Me envying it, maybe. Right. Like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I can't believe you're acting like this. And it's like, really, what a freedom to be able to say you know what, this is how I feel about something and I will express it. Because there are times where I get my hair done and guess what, it hurt and I sit there and I bear it. Yeah, you just take it. You just
2: take it. You know, so maybe this kid is a metaphor. We don't (laughs) have to say. Let me tell you something. I can't tell if you're helping me or hurting me right now because my (laughs) seven-year-old little little mama says what's on her mind. She, when she needs to express herself, she's like, "Hold on, you didn't let me finish speaking." And there is a part of me that's like, "Do you know that?" Like, I would have not been able to fix my lips to say some of the things you're saying. And maybe there is like a little bit of envy in that because she does not comply to whatever rule, whether that rule is legitimate or not, they ended up making me need years of therapy in my Mm -hmm, adulthood. mm -hmm. But um, I think about this a lot because, I mean, I want to get it right. I think, you know, any good parent wants to get it right. But I also want to make sure that I'm setting her up to be a successful adult who can be a team player and all of those things. It's such a fine line. It feels like a fine line.
0: I saw you recently having a conversation with your mother and I thought wow you know I think it was around Christmas time maybe you all wearing your your pajamas Mm. and you were talking having a really open conversation and I was thinking you know for many black women they still can't do that because of the fear that was instilled in them the compliance that was instilled in them Um, to not be able to open up. And it's interesting because parents will say you can talk to me about anything. However, in their behavior, there is a show that actually I can't talk to you about anything. I can't feel anything with you. So when there are big moments and things that we need to discuss, we don't know how because we haven't been able to yell when we was getting our (sighs) hair combed. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, just all of this stuff that we're we're not able to do. So when it gets to a point of I I really have a big emotion or I have this problem with this boy or, hey, I need help with deciding this thing in life. We we can't even talk to them because we haven't been trying to talk to them in that way.
2: Mm. Do you think that means that for those of us who are hoping to parent with intention? I like the way you said that that when we have these moments where like our generational parenting ancestors rise up and say, snatch that child. And we instead say, no, we're going to let them be free and communicate. Do you Mm -hmm. think it's better to err on the side of openness than it is to shut them down with that goal in mind of them being able to advocate for themselves in the future?
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, I've the first half of my career, I work with kids and teenagers. And the things that they talk about is probably a lot of stuff that we thought about as teenagers their friends, tattoos, dating, mm-hmm. you know, that stuff. And it's really um, harmless, but they need to be able to express it. And mm-hmm. what I noticed that parents would do you can't date nobody, you can't get no tattoo, or you could do a lot of. Conversations about something without having to say no. Because once Mm -hmm. you talk to them about some things, it's just a conversation is not necessarily a goal. It's, well, what would you want one of? Where would you want it? Now, what kind of job do you want? Ooh, Mm -hmm. have you ever seen somebody, you know, just asking them questions, not saying you can't do it, but people can talk themselves out of things. Kids and teenagers are very reasonable and thoughtful human beings, and if we allow them the space to have conversations and opinions, you'll be surprised of the good decisions that they can make
2: that okay. That's so strong. I've I've I don't. I recently moved back to Dallas. I was living in LA with my husband for eight years, and um, Dallas is the city where I was raised. It's where my dad built his ministry, and you know I got pregnant here. All of these things exist here, and so being back here has been me kind of like understanding from a more holistic perspective some of the trauma and silencing that was required in order for us to like, present this picture and Mm -hmm. um, I think that I am learning that that silencing really has been something that I'm like learning to undo in my own relationships and really using my language to show up so I am applying it to like my 13 year old daughter and inviting her to have a dialogue with me (laughs) she told me the other day she's like mom I think I'm gonna wait at least until I'm 16 to, to, to do things and I was like well wait a minute let's talk about that like what happens at 16 but the fact that she was even open to having that conversation with me. Sometimes I wonder, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? But I do love what you're saying about being able to have that conversation so they are exercising their own mind is something that um, I really hope to continue to um, inspire in them. I want to ask you a question, though, because you're talking about annoyance and how that's perfectly human, perfectly normal for us to experience that emotion, What is the line between I am annoyed and I am um, constantly being angered, constantly being... intentionally picked at because I think when we take it out of the concept of like mother and child and something that we know is pretty common in raising children and then move it into adult relationships with siblings or parents, even romantic relationships. And this is beyond annoyed. This feels like an intentional um, desire to see me act out of character or to make me feel insecure. How do we know when we've moved past annoyance into something that has some abuse or um, Mm. I I don't want to use violence because that may be too strong of a word, but like this is bigger than being annoyed. I feel like someone's intentionally inflicting pain on me. Mm.
0: You know, I, I think with emotional abuse, often There are these underlying things that we don't recognize, like the backhanded compliment or not even receiving compliments, not being appreciated sometimes, Um, especially when someone is able to show appreciation for others who are doing Mm -hmm. the same thing as you. Um, There is this dismissing of how you feel, a dismissing of what you think that certainly Mm -hmm. can weigh on your spirit. And in those situations, you know, we still Started with How do you have hard conversations? You know, I, I think when a person does something, that's when we, you know, gold standard is that's when we say something about it. Yeah. That's when we say, wow, you just dismissed me and I was saying something that was important to me and you cut me off or you told me I should think this way about it. Um, If you can't do it right away, I would say when you find yourself like thinking, thinking, thinking about how offended you are about what someone Mm -hmm. did, the way to stop being offended is to talk about it. So it could be 24 hours, one week, two days, whatever time frame. Work up your courage and just let them know how you feel. You know, I've I've certainly had situations where I felt like, oh, that felt like a dig, yeah. and I might have, you know, just sat with it and maybe talked to two people about it, and they was like, "Girl, it's a dig," and so, <laughs> and so you know, I, I've called people and say, "Hey, I saw you yesterday and you said this thing." And to me, it felt like a dig. And I just want you to know that I don't like it when you say that sort of stuff to me. Now, sometimes people get defensive. Yeah. But what tends to happen is they don't do that exact thing anymore because now they know I see you.
2: Mm. How do you, do you think that there's a certain level of fear of rejection that you have to no longer possess in order to have those conversations? Because I can hear people in my head, but like, but then they're going to be acting funny or then we're not going to be able to go to lunch anymore. So it's better Mm -hmm. that I say nothing at all. You know,
0: I am a sensitive sleeper. I don't know about you, but if anything happens, I cannot sleep. If you mm-hmm. get on my nerves for too long during the day, I'm waking up at night. So I, the way I love my sleep, it's just I, I have to have peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And a part of that is, you know, we don't think about the impact of not having those hard conversations, the impact to our self-esteem, the impact on our sleep, the impact on our appetite sometimes, Mm -hmm. the anxiety we experience when we have future interactions with that person. There's a lot of things that happen when we don't speak up that we kind of gloss over because we don't want to miss lunch. Wow. Yeah. So so I
2: understand
0: that Oh, this person is going to behave this certain way. And, and I get that that's really tough to allow them to have that reaction, because some people aren't mature enough to hear anything negative about themselves. Yeah. They can't believe, you know, a lot of defensiveness is like, I am not a bad person. I am not a bad person. You're not about to tell me that I said something mean to you. And it's like, well, you did, in fact, say something mean to me. That's exactly (laughs) what I'm saying. And you're still a really good person and you make great pie, but you also say mean stuff sometimes. And you did it yesterday. So, you know, I, I think we can't not say things because of how they'll respond. What typically happens in relationships is people cool down. Mm, yeah, And we have to maybe we have to call somebody else to go to lunch with on that particular right. day. We <laughs> will have to miss lunch with them because we know how they'll respond or we'll have to endure the silent treatment for two days or whatever it is. But what they're doing in their behavior towards you is really manipulating you mm. to not say anything to them. You know, people are teaching you not to say anything to them with those sort of behaviors. Like you cannot tell me about how I treat you, because if you do, this is what I'm going to do to you. So guess what? If it works, you will never be able to say anything to them. So you have to decide, do I want to be in a relationship with someone I can't talk to? Or will I, you know, advocate for myself and say, hey, look, I understand you have your process, but I will still say this.
2: Okay, so I I should have known that this was probably going to be like somewhat of a therapy session because that's what you do to (laughs) us all day, any day. So, (laughs) you know, I'm going to go ahead and throw myself on the altar, you know, because I'm definitely one of those people. I feel like I've grown a lot, but I do feel like I'm one of those people used to be one of those people (laughs) who struggled with like, anytime someone says something bad about me, now I think you're saying I'm a bad person. I don't know that I would necessarily Mm. verbalize that to them, but I think I would internalize any level of criticism as you telling me like, I'm not a good person or I have failed. I think it's rooted in a lot of like childhood things. And so I think how do we become the type of people who can separate From this idea of being perfect or like acting in a way that never offends or not being accountable for the moments where we did say something mean or we did say something (laughs) immature and hear that feedback without responding. Well, I don't know if we can respond without being defensive, but like, how do we open up in such a way? We talk about having tough conversations, like we're the ones communicating with someone else, but how do we receive tough criticism, tough feedback about ourselves without it damaging our self esteem or making? And I feel like, well, I just quit altogether. Mm.
0: You know, you have to put yourself in more uncomfortable positions. You have to allow yourself to make mistakes. You have to try new things that you're not good at. Mm. You have to open yourself up to receive feedback. You know, there are a few times a year where I'll text a few friends and say, girl, what do I need to work on? (laughs)
2: <laughs> like, my husband does that I and I, missing? I just can't imagine it but okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do, I'm do <laughs> better I do my homework so I'm gonna do whatever you tell me to do but that just feels like mm, keep it to yourself <laughs>
0: yeah you know I um I asked a friend that recently and she said you know I think you leave relationships but I've seen you stay for too long I said oh wow Really? Because I I guess she, you know, she's hearing for years of complaining. She's probably like, girl, it's been eight years. You won't dump that free yet. (laughs) So, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, adults, we don't necessarily put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. We feel really great doing the things we're good at. And the opportunity to try something new is like the scariest thing ever, you know, like to to try skiing if you've never been, to try a new recipe. We are creatures of habit because we're good at stuff. And so there is some benefit to learning something new and not being good at it. There is some benefit to playing a game and not being great at that, to having some (sighs) conversations with people where you are seen as an imperfect figure and not this, this creature of perfection. You know, perfection really does not exist. And I think, you know, we, we hear it all the time. No one's perfect, but many of us don't believe it. And we're yeah. still, like, trying to get there. There is a perfect party. There is a perfect this. And it's like, you know, stuff is, is pretty good. You know, I see that sometimes on the internet. I create content. I'll have a typo. And the perfectionist, who they will come after you. Should this comma be there? I'm like, girl, I'm going to let it ride. People like it. They, they <laughs> didn't even care it's about the comma. Now. <laughs> it's out there The world got it. I'll correct <laughs> it on the, if I put it back up. <laughs> you know, like... I'm not trying to, I want people to see a mistake that you can create stuff and there be a mistake in it. I've read people's, you know, books. I'm at New York times bestseller and I'll see a mistake in a book. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Like, yes, it's not Perfect. We have to celebrate imperfections. We have to allow people to have imperfections because when we allow others to have them, we are opening the grace for ourselves. Mm. But we're so easy to be like, girl, it's it's something right there on you. Or girl, why your shoes? You know, like all this stuff. We want everything to be like perfect. And it's like, you know, let pe- let people have their things that are not 100%. You don't have to go in people house. And fix their painting and, you know, all yeah. this stuff. And maybe that will give you some freedom to allow yourself to have those uh-huh. same sort of imperfections.
2: All right. This that, that's good you just preached a word I just want you to know you just got me together and I thank you and I will send you a rate or something for for that session we just had <laughs> I wonder like what does it feel like to be you like I have found you on social media like I'm sure a lot of people did and um, I mean your work your passion continues to touch and transform the lives of so many people um, and I know when people meet you they think that things have like always been the way that they have been but do you feel the sense of, you know, popularity, influence that you have? Um, what has this journey been like for you to go from wherever you started? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your story and how you've ended up becoming like everyone's therapist. Mm. Uh,
0: well, I am a little girl from the east side of Detroit okay. and. I did not grow up wanting to be a therapist, but I definitely grew up around a lot of people who needed therapy. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I've always enjoyed conversations and really questioning people. Like I remember being like, But why did they do that? And why did they do that? And why do you do that? And, you know, having all of these, you know, really deep conversations, I would, you know, cut class to sit with my friends and talk, you know, so I've always really loved deep, meaningful conversation. And once I became a therapy therapist, I really felt like, oh, my gosh, like people have so much to say. And they don't really have a lot of folks who listen to them in this way. Mm. The things that we talk about often in therapy, they're not always like these traumas. Mm. Sometimes it is this person at my job chews so loud Mm. that Mm. (laughs) I want to move my cubicle, you know, (laughs) but... How freeing is it to be able to talk about that with someone? Because who else might want to listen to that? I do for an hour. I'd love to hear about, you know, what you're watching on TV or, you know, the, the date you have with this new person or, you know, just all these things. It's like, wow, we're so interesting. So I really love that about, you know, being a therapist. And I think that we all need to be heard. And so much of my content is really, you know, what I think when I'm sitting with people and listening, listening to them, I'm like, oh, you know what? Here are five things you could say to a person who's being passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. You know, I may not always say that to the client, but I'm all Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it like, huh, how do we address somebody being passive aggressive with us? Because, you know, we all experience it. And there's so much humanness in listening to people share of, you know, of, different backgrounds because sometimes we think, oh, what I feel is so unique. I am the only person who gets annoyed. I am the only person who has this sibling issue. I am the only person who's, you know, misguided about what my purpose is in life. And so having someone to normalize that, to Talk you through the difficult moments in life. It is it is absolutely beautiful. Um, You asked about Instagram, and I talked about being a therapist, but I enjoy that. That's your heart. Yeah, you know Instagram is it's fun most of the time because I think that therapists up until now they have been know like we didn't know a lot about them we didn't know that that therapists have afros and bright lipstick yes. and you know speak in a regular old dialect and have personality and those sorts of things you know um the therapists that i knew about were you know mm-hmm, 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 those type of therapists and not you know not what we're able to see now and so being able to share therapeutic tools and takeaways with people who may never go to therapy, you know, may never go to therapy or those who, who go to therapy, some, or those who are really into it is really rewarding. You know, it deepens the work because a, a therapist can only see so many clients, but with Instagram, I'm able to facilitate change in a bigger way. And that feels really impactful. Um, it feels better than driving an electric car. You know, it feels like I'm making, <laughs> I'm making a mark. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know.
2: I'm still, you know, I'm still untangling that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get that. Cause I'm like, did, when did you, or have you realized like how, massive this imprint is. I mean, you're a two times New York two times New York Times bestseller. And like, does this East Side girl from Detroit recognize like this huge impact that she's gonna make? on the world and continue to make I mean it's one thing to do it once but like soon as drama free hit, I was like we we running that thing going back because I just continued <laughs> to see how many people were continuing to connect to the message and I just wonder I feel like from viewing your social media you seem to be obviously very private about your own life and your own story and journey but I just wonder like I wonder if she realizes just how big and impactful this is Especially to see a black woman with your afro, your braids, however you got your hair from day to day. And then talking about things that like in our community, we aren't usually talking about. And like, how do we have drama free existence in our families where we're used to sweeping things under the rug or not talking about them at all? Or even going no no contact with family systems that are dysfunctional, but everyone stays in it. Like you're giving us so much permission Mm. and so much liberty just by being you and giving us language. And I I just see it everywhere.
0: You know, I I love the possibility that we can all live freely. Mm. And we can be free, I think, when we get the opportunity to create our lives. And so many of us are still in bondage because we are burdened by old expectations. We're burdened by childhood experiences, you know, beliefs that don't really fit who we are. And it's really unfortunate. You know, sometimes I'll I'll have clients where, you know, they're really trying to live this belief that they aren't actually living. Like, you know, I should want kids. And it's like, but you like to travel so much you don't really like kids. You don't yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know, you can change you can change your mind. Yeah. You know, just and they're like, oh, my gosh, no one has ever said that to me. Well, your your mother who wants grandchildren may not say that to you. Your, your father who wants grandchildren, all these other people who are just out here having kids, they may not say that to you. But what I'm hearing is you want something different and that's OK. Yeah. You have, you have the freedom to do that. And I'm a mother yeah. and I'm saying you have the freedom to choose your life. But, you know, what a beautiful thing to be able to say, this is what I want to do. And I understand
2: how I was raised, but I'm, I'm choosing my own path. Mm. Okay. So I have to ask you, what woman has been the most influential for you in your journey of being free?
0: is mother oprah yeah you know i was a kid who watched oprah after school four o'clock and i watched Mm -hmm. listen i watched all the other the maury and (laughs) (laughs) ricky lake and jenny jones too yeah i watched all that too but (laughs) i watched oprah and The thing she talked about on her show, like I listened to her podcast, which is old episodes Mm -hmm. of the Oprah show. And she's talking about this stuff that was so revolutionary at the time, emotional neglect and alcoholic parents and molestation. And it's like, wow, what is this stuff? And to see, you know, a person who has such, a traumatic story, yeah. be able to build a life that is so different than where she came from was so inspiring. It's like, no matter how you grow up, there could be an opportunity for you. There could be an opportunity outside of this neighborhood, outside of these people, outside of these relationships, but you have to be open and willing to create it and also upset some folks. Mm-hmm. Because as you know know, as you change, there are some people and it's, you know, it's really a grieving process. There are some people who are not coming with you because they can't. Yeah. They are not on the same path. And so to be able to see someone sort of sort of do that at a very massive scale, that was amazing. But, you know, outside of Oprah, I learned a lot of what to do by watching what not to do. Mm. I am the youngest grandchild. So I have tons of older cousins and, you know, just watching their life experiences, watching my aunts and uncles and parents. I'm like, okay, duly noted. Like these are how do, I? I didn't know how to get away from it, but I also knew this is something I don't want. There has to be a book a uh, chapter in the encyclopedia, something that <laughs> something that will help me um, figure this thing out, and I and I think that it happened, you know, just by curiosity, just by knowing you don't have to
2: settle into a life that doesn't feel good for you. Okay, so my last question before. We close the podcast. And this is something I've been asking everyone, who's the most influential woman who's played a role in your journey? But also like what do you hope that she knows about the impact that she's had on her on your life and who you are today as a result of her yes? Oh my gosh. So twenty when was the pandemic?
0: Twenty twenty. I'm losing my years when I mention pandemic. Mm, twenty twenty. Um Oprah came to uh, Charlotte, which is where I live now, and she came on stage and said, look at all my kids, and I started crying. I'm like, it's me, I'm the
2: kid.
0: I'm like, I'm the baby. Um, Because, you know, what a beautiful way to mother without having any children of your own, you know, like to be able to pour into people in that way. And I think, you know, she mothered us, wow, and and for women who who don't want kids, I think about you know I was just thinking about this for Mother's Day, which is you know coming up soon. I want to do something with my friends who are mothers with children and mothers without children yeah. because I think there is something about being a woman that is just naturally mothering. Yeah, there is something about us that's gonna you know help a little baby out. We going you know we gonna take care of our friends. We are going to take care of our partners. We will nurture. There is something in us to care. And so I feel like she had that in her to
2: care in a very big and massive way. Wow, that's so good, because you're right. There are so many people, I mean, who are like, that is definitely, she She was Auntie Oprah before calling people Auntie was like a thing, mm-hmm. and mother to so many. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience today. You, Like I said over and over again, I cannot just explain enough how much your work continues to impact my life. It impacts the way that I show up in my relationships with my children for myself, with my partners and even for the people who I get to do this work with and so I just thank you that you constantly pour, you're constantly putting things out into the earth and we're constantly covering you and just hoping that all of the good things that you put in the earth are showing up in your life in the most intentional and private and personal ways because you certainly deserve it for all you've sown. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. 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 Nedra I am so grateful For this opportunity to speak with you Your soul is so pure and Intentional I think the favorite part Of this interview for me has been listening To your laugh that Freedom in your laugh the joy that You spread while also sharing such Truth has given me so much hope For what's possible when we live our Lives free I can't thank you Enough for joining me on the podcast You really bridged the gap and walked Us through the reality of hard Conversations if you are listening you enjoyed this podcast make sure that you drop us a comment and let us know your favorite part we're going to be back next week with more hope for being open so make sure that you tag a friend subscribe rate and sit in the same spot because we're going to keep it coming if you are interested in joining the podcast you have a story to share you have a question you even want to get in on some of these conversations send us an email at podcast at we cannot wait to hear What's on your heart and how you are changing until then I will see you next week. Stay open Stay evolving. Let's go
1: Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge
2: close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go
1: beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love stages podcast
2: subscribe to stages podcast wherever you listen
1: to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever